This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Twenty-nine other MLB clubs. Two-two pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back, gone for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. He does. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe, from spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. You know where you hear Charlie Steiner have that call about Cody Bellinger? Uh, not happening today. He's not in the lineup. Welcome to A's Cast Live. Chris Townsend with you here. Ned Coletti, the former general manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers, now does TV for the Dodgers, and he's a scout for the San Jose Sharks. He will be here at 430. And then a real treat for you today. We got the Cobra, Dave Parker, who's going to be joining us. You know, Cody, close that. The music here is so obnoxious at the Coliseum during batting practice. They And, and to, to take you behind the curtain, Matt Chapman loves to yell up at, turn it up, and they turn it up, and you can barely hear yourself. I do miss being on the field, though. And there may be some good news coming our way. In the great state of California, where the governor, Gavin Newsom, announced today that we're opening up on June 15th. Commander, does that mean we are that much closer to being A's cast live back on the field? Well, I guess we'll find out. Uh, I didn't look to see who the A's play in June. Uh, I'll pull up the old schedule and see who they play, but... Uh, I'm really excited and, and really enjoyed our conversation we got to have with the Cobra, Dave Parker, one of the greatest Pittsburgh Pirates of all time, med- legendary member of the 1989 A's team. But, Owen, of course, the A's are staring down the 1916 stop, stop, Philadelphia A's. Stop. No one wants to hear it. There's nothing wrong. Everything is fine. They're only four games back. Stop. As the Astros uh, take down the Angels – Carlos Correa hit a walk-off, or hit, not a walk-off, a go-ahead two-run homer. Dusty Baker had some interesting comments, which we'll get to in a little bit. Oh, uh, let me tell you this. Dave Parker, his comments on the 1989 Oakland Athletics team, you wait, you're going to like it. That's going to be your 5 o'clock. So 4.30, Ned Coletti, 5 o'clock, Dave Parker. All right, we've got some updates for you. I don't know if you're going to like these updates, but don't don't come after the mess the messenger, okay? Matt Olson out with a knee contusion day to day. Burt Smith, Goudon, both go on the IL. Excuse me, Goudon. 
Both go on the IL. Smith with a groin, Goudouin with a thumb. I don't think we're all going to miss Goudouin because I just don't know if this guy's a major league pitcher, but both those guys going on the IL. Coming up from the alternate site, Seth Brown and Jordan Weems. So Weems comes up to give you another arm, and something that we have known, they're now announcing it, that Trevor Rosenthal on Monday traveled to Dallas to meet with a specialist. He has met with a specialist, and Bob Melvin has informed us we hopefully will know the details about the injury tomorrow, which I think the news is not going to be good. At first, I was positive. Now I'm really worried. And it's sad because Rosenthal was going to be such a big part of this franchise in 2021, and now we don't even know what he'll be able to give you, if anything, in 2021. So when that news comes down, it's either going to be, you know, it's either going to be Positive, he's gonna be he's gonna be okay, or you know, could be disaster. So, just warning you now. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hope for the best, but I don't know how that's gonna work out. And there's injuries all over the place. I mean, you saw Fernando Tatis Jr. go down in the batter's box. He dealt with a shoulder issue in spring. He went down. Doesn't sound good. Uh, so, a lot of people are dealing with this in baseball. When you're dealing with human beings, that's just a reality. But as Cody said, the A's are staring down some bad history here. The last A's team to start out 0-6, you got to go back to the 1916 Philadelphia A's, led by Connie Mack in his suit there in the dugout, and a franchise record 117 losses. Last time any franchise lost their first six games in a season was 2016 when the Braves and the Twinkies both got off to 0-9 starts. Wow. The Braves would uh, lose 93 and the Twins would lose 103. You can't tell me this team is that bad. You You just can't. But right now, They're not doing anything well. There's not one thing they're good at. They've got five straight games where they've given up eight runs or more. So the pitching, not good. Bullpen right now, a 7.46 ERA. They've been outscored 45 to 12. They've been out hit 61 to 27. They've been out homered. This is a team... As the general manager likes to say, ball goes far, team goes far. Built on home run, they've been out home run 10-2. And now you got future Hall of Famer Clayton Kershaw Kershaw on the mound. So you're saying there's a chance. Do you want me to run down Kershaw's career numbers against the A's real quick for you? Kershaw, in four starts versus the A's, is 0-0. He has never registered a decision against the A's. His ERA, is this any good? 1.35 1.35 in 26 and two-thirds innings pitched, 23 strikeouts, seven walks. Now, at the Oakland Coliseum, in three starts, he's obviously no wins, no losses, a 1.71 ERA in 21 innings, 15 Ks, four walks. Can you guess the ace player who has had the most success against Clayton Kershaw? 
the most success against Clayton Kershaw? Is no. he is he one of the new guys? No. And I went through a few of the guys. That were I'll on, go Mark Canna. That's the A's best hitter, Mark Canna, right now. He's hitting 500 against Clayton, Clayton Kershaw. He's three for six. Uh, Elvis Andrews. He owns him. He owns like Ray Fossio, Nolan Ryan. Elvis Andrews, 0 for 3. Matt Olson, 0 for 3, but he's not in the lineup. Matt Chapman, 1 for 3. Ramon Laureano batting third, hitting 500 against him in two at bats. And Stephen Piscotty, 1 for 6. So there are some of the guys that have had their at bats against Clayton Kershaw, the future Hall of Famer for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Well, if there are two positives going right now, one's Mark Canna. He's bringing it. He's hitting 316. He has over 1,000 OPS. Hit his first home run of the year. And the other was A.J. Puck. Three and a third. No runs. I don't like the three walks, but he struck out four. And he showed that he's healthy. Now, the phrase that I'm tired of, somebody's got to eat innings. You got to get away from that. You need you need you need people who are pitching when the team has the lead, which they have not had the lead all year long. I'm tired of hearing about hey, someone's got to eat innings. When you're saying someone's got to eat innings, that means you're losing. And I hate losing. It's got to turn around. Why not tonight? Why not versus Clayton Kershaw? It's time for Chris Bassett to shine. Second start of the year, you get the nerves of being the opening day starter out of the way. Go out and throw a gym and get your first victory of the year and and get yourself on a good winning track. You can still take two out of three, take down Trevor Bauer, day baseball, win two games, and then go to Houston, have the day off on Sunday. Then you got the Diamondbacks. They stink. Oh, shots fired to our good friend Tori Lovello. I'm just, I'm just being honest. So, I mean, you're just, as bad as it seems, you know, writing here in the Bible and my scorebook and, and getting ready for today, as bad as it seems, they're only four games back. I know it seems like they're 12 games back, but it is so early, they're just four games back. So I think we all just need to settle down. I agree, and by the way, you said there was no positives from last night. There is. The A's uh, batting average with runners in scoring position went up from 143 to 189, oh. so they're starting to hit with runners in scoring position, and uh, I'm not going to take full credit just yet, but uh, someone on this program did say that A.J. Puck would be better suited as a bullpen arm, and uh, his three and third innings he pitched, like three and a third scoreless innings, mind, mind I add, last night were the most he's thrown since August of 2017 meaning he's gone, and when he went six innings, that was the first time he's went more than two innings in an outing since 2017. You, you, I'm telling you, your dream, Ken Korak literally shot your dream down last night. Uh, well, he also, he also, you know, uh, crapped all over my Zach Greinke's a Hall of Famer thing too. Because I brought it up last night after the game in the postgame show. We like to call it the A's Clubhouse show. I'm like, Ken, you know, this might, you know, this is a valuable role. This guy that can come in and give you like three really good innings in the middle or later. The, and Ken's like, it, mean, it, it means he's ready to start. Ken, Ken's ready to put him back into the rotation. And your dream of him being this guy, this super reliever, like a Josh Hader, 
Ken's not buying it. Well, you know who is buying it? Bob Melvin. Here's what Bob had to say after the game last night. Uh, you know, not at this point. I think he helped us out in the bullpen is what he helped us out with. If we didn't get those innings out of him today, we've been looking at, you know, uh, another real tough situation. So, you know, at this point in time, he got up four times. He threw 60 pitches. And right now his role is going to be helping us out in the bullpen. He threw what six. Think, just to expand on that, of pucks, just stuff overall. Um, looked like he had pretty good velocity throughout as well. You know, based on what we saw, his last outing was his best in spring. Uh, his velo still wasn't there, but then all of a sudden it ticked up today. I think he was up to 95, and like I said, he saved us. I mean, we, we needed those innings out of him. Not only did we get the innings out of him, he was pretty economical, and he got results too. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, as far as at the big league level, that's that's as well as he's pitched in a time when we, we needed him to, to give us the innings. Translation? I agree with Cody. He should be a reliever. Wow. Are you going to cause a rift between the, the skipper and the voice of the Oakland Athletics? Should be real interesting Bob Melvin show today with Ken and Bob later. Hey, by the way, uh, Frankie Motas is still throwing pitches. Really? That's a joke. Oh, oh. I see what you did there. Okay. Did you see it? you get it? Yeah. Um, you had, what, I could... 70 through two innings last night? <laughs> I mean... He had, I think he had 61. What do you have? I read it. He had 61 after two innings. How's that possible? And then he finished with like 90 or whatever. Wait, he finished with the worst economical. He had 90 pitches in two and two thirds innings. 90 pitches in two and two thirds. I mean, come on, man. I mean, it's like a football team. Offense isn't working, defense isn't working, and special teams is bad. Last night also was uh, Ace Otters have taken the loss in each of their first five games, marking the second time in Ace history that has happened, tied with the everyone everyone's favorite Oakland or everyone's favorite Ace team, the 1936 Ace. So uh, it's not been a good start to what has been the strength of this uh, team, the starting rotation. But you're hoping to rebound tonight with Chris Bassett on the mound, who was very good last year and it was very solid in 2019, but you're going up against Clayton Kershaw and no Cody Ballinger, though. So, I mean, I, I guess that's a positive that you still have to face Betts and everyone else. Um, and Mookie hasn't really gotten started yet. So, well, I mean, you, let's you, get Will Smith out, can we? You know, as much as you, you despise batting average, look at the batting average of the Dodgers. Mookie at 333, Seager at 529, Turner at 353. Smith, 500, Muncie, 400, Taylor, 300, and this McKinstry guy where we go, who? He's hitting 545. This guy who's hitting ninth for them, he's 6 for 11, three doubles, a homer, which he hit last night, and he's hit safely in each of the first four games, including three hits on Monday. That's your number nine hitter. Their number nine hitter, if he stepped into the A's lineup right now, would be their best hitter. Uh, not to mention they left 25 guys on base last night. 25 men left on base. Uh, they had 10 strikeouts. They walked eight times. Oh, they scored 10 runs, too. They've scored 36 runs on 61 hits, and they've walked 31 times in their first five games. And they're also 55-26 and 26 versus the American League since 2017. Well, you're talking about individuals left 25. T Team-wise, the Dodgers left 14, which is a lot. I thought it was 25 men left on base for the Dodgers. No, that's that's individuals. The actual team left on base. Oh, yeah. I'm just looking at left on base for, yeah. 
So well, their team left on base was 14, which means, translation, they could have scored a couple more hits. <laughs> They've got 16 runs or 15 runs. That's how bad. But you know what? You're telling me they're not hitting 180 down with runners in scoring position? I'm telling you right now, it all changes today. This is when it changes. You're going you're gonna to circle on the calendar. You're going to circle in your scorebook. Game 6, 2021 is where it all turned around. Because if it didn't, I, I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to have Robert back in the studio replay last night's postgame tonight. Because I got nothing new. I got nothing else to say. There is nothing new that I'm going to be able to bring up. After, how many hours from now? Well, the way games are going anymore, I, I can't tell you what exact time when the game might end. Um, let's hope we can play an under three-hour game, but I'm not holding my breath. So what is it? It's, it's 4.15, so maybe seven hours from now you'll be on the air. Yeah, let's go over the time of games for the A's so far this year. 328, 334, 324, 316, 335. They haven't sniffed an, under three. And the great Dave Feldman, I believe, told, was it was at Ray Fossey, that over the weekend, games were averaging in Major League Baseball at a 315 clip. Last year, we set the record at 304, I think it was. Oh, it was a little higher than that. I think it was like 307 or 309. Three, that's, that's the average. We're blowing away the average right now. Like, speed it up. And are we sure that the ball's deadened? I keep seeing home runs flying out of ballparks at, well, Unfortunately, not the ace hitting home runs like they normally do. But Akil Badu. Yeah, Badu. I mean, the guys hitting home I mean, there's guys hitting home runs everywhere. But the ball's supposed to be deadened. We're supposed to see more Maybe offense. they didn't deaden it enough. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they need to rethink this deadened baseball because, yeah, I mean, balls are still – balls are still – well, you know, Scott Emerson, our pitching coach, said it again yesterday right here on A's Cast Live. He thinks it's the bats. The way they make the bats and the sealant on the bats, you don't see bats breaking anymore. And the only time you see them breaking is when they it, it like the bat breaks and the barrel turns into like a, 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 a twirling spear. You know, you see guys break on the handle. It, it doesn't. It, you don't see that that often. There used to always be bats that were breaking at the handle. Now they don't. So the bats are harder than ever because of the sealant that they put on it. So maybe. We need to start – maybe Emo's onto something, and we need to start investigating the bats. I was upset earlier today. There's a, this con job that the Astros keep on playing. Dusty Baker needs to move on. Well, that's, that's tough for Dusty. Dusty needs to move on. And you know what? Dusty can big mouth right now because Dusty was not a part of it. But Dusty needs to stop – you know, if, if people are asking him, hey, uh, people are booing you, you just got to give some gen- – you've got to come up with a generic answer and move on. But he didn't. Do you have what Dusty Baker had to say about fans continuing to boo as they dealt with it in Oakland and they're dealing with it in Anaheim? You can tell the amount of hostility and the amount of hatred in the, in, in the stands. And, um, you know, how many in the, in the, in the stands – have never done nothing, anything wrong in their life, or you know, you know, we paid the price for it. How many people have not cheated, you know, on a test or 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 whatever at some point in time? I mean, it's easy 
you know, if you live in glass houses, but I don't think anybody lives in glass houses. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, sometimes we need to look at ourselves before you, uh, you know, spew hate on, on somebody else. Like I said, it's, uh, it's a sad, you know, situation for, you know, for America to me, you know, when you, when you hear things, I mean, what are the kids supposed to think in the stands or, you know, and then, and some of them are kids are following their parents. And, uh, it's, uh, it's sad to me, like I said, it, you know, people make mistakes and, um, you know, we paid for ours and, uh, you know, we say leave it alone. That, that, that's so tone deaf. I'm a big Dusty Baker fan, but he needs, he needs, he needs to quiet up. You paid for it. You paid for it. How did you pay for it? No one got suspended. No one got fined. No one, nothing. No one, no one got their money taken away from them. They didn't lose their World Series rings. They didn't lose their World Series trophies. How, how, what? How did they get penalized? And then they squealed, and four people got fired. The manager, the general manager, the manager of the Red Sox, and the new manager of the Mets who never even got to manage a game. Those are the only guys that got penalized. Not one player got penalized for anything. They didn't have to pay money. They didn't have to give anything back. They didn't even really have to say sorry. What is he talking about? You're not ignorant, Dusty. You're not a dumb guy. If you're trying to sell this, that is a joke. That is an absolute joke. And you know what? Have I made mistakes in my life? Yes. But have I made a mistake like that? You want to talk about conspiracy? You want to talk about, oh, you know, Dusty, I, in my horrible college career, I never went to Best Buy. I never bought a camera, put it out in center field, wired it all the way back to the dugout, set it up on a TV and a monitor, and we could record it and steal signs to win Major League Baseball games. I've never done anything like that. You think most people have done that, that kind of shady business? I'm sure if you really wanted to, you could find something illegal about what they did. Now, of course, they didn't because what baseball did was baseball said, hey, players, yeah, we'll take care of you. You just tell us what happened and nothing will happen to you. But I bet if you really wanted to investigate this cheating scandal and the spying scandal, and I don't know how Texas law works, and I'm not a lawyer or a law enforcement person, but I bet you could find something in there that's not legal about what they did. And you want to talk about worrying about that? What, what's the message you sent to the kids? What's the message that the Astros players, talking about cheating to win a championship, selling your soul to the devil, what did you teach kids? What did Major League Baseball teach these kids about cheating and getting away with it? There's so many levels to this that Dusty Baker trying to sell this, you should be booed every single game because you deserve it. America, Dusty, is showing you how they feel about you. Baseball fans in the United States of America are going to show you how they feel about cheating. Not, not stealing signs, not corking your bat, not scuffing the ball. We're talking about hardcore electronic sign stealing. You're going to feel how Americans think about this every single game. So you better suck it up. Because if you think that you've paid for it, Dusty, the only reason why you have a job in Major League Baseball is because of this scandal. 
How many people are saying, yeah, I want to go out and hire a 70-something manager? Who's saying that in baseball? Show me where they're saying, I want the old man in the uniform in the dugout. The only reason Dusty Baker got his job is because they knew everybody likes Dusty, so everybody's got to not be as hard. Everybody else is going with a young guy who's all about analytics, who understands analytics, who understands, who's in closer age to the players. No ba- How old is Dusty Baker? 70, I think 72 or 3. Yeah, who's looking for a 72-year-old manager? Dusty Baker, you only have your job because of this. You think they wanted to fire A.J. Hinch? They had to. 71, sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because everybody's looking for a 71-year-old. Whenever there's a manager's opening, everybody says, oh, yeah, let's go get – bring me as many 70-year-old managers as you can to interview. He has his job because of the scandal. Ah, just the whole thing to this day. You know, it's not like it's it's the same thing with the Patriots. This electronic video stealing is so bad, and we allow them to. What what was the Patriots? Oh, we're gonna find them five hundred grand and and some draft picks. Well, they keep the Super Bowl ring. I mean, think about if you're the Rams. They literally taped your practice. Before the Super Bowl. Kurt Warner and the greatest show on turf. Can they beat? They had to cheat to beat them. And they got their rings. That's the thing. It's just the whole thing. It, it just drives. You know what? If you would just own it. If they would just. Own, once again, it's like the same thing. The difference between A-Rod now and Barry Bonds. If you just own it and say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Shouldn't have done it. People will forgive you. People will forgive people who say sorry. But if all you do is try and run from it, hide from it, and act like it doesn't happen, we'll never let it go. I haven't seen one time anybody from the Houston Astros who's actually owned it, like honestly really stepped up and said, you know, we've seen – We've seen guys like Dallas Keuchel, who's not on the team anymore, own it. But we haven't seen anybody in an Astro uniform who works for the Astros own this thing. And now they're acting like victims. They're the victims. These World Series trophies, these World Series rings are so precious. They're what we play for. They're what our game is all about. And now you're just sitting there acting like, oh, woe is me. I can't believe everybody's so mean to me. I mean, it, it, it's disgusting to hear a guy like Dusty Baker who's been in baseball that long, who's been through so much in his career, now acting like that? That's a joke. Well, I got something to say about it, and I respect Dusty, and you know, I, I don't know him personally or anything like that, but Dusty oversaw something. Let's not forget, he was the manager of uh, a certain player when he broke a certain record that sounded like this. So, no, Dusty's going to be the morality police on this. He watched Barry Bonds hit 71 home runs when, you know, 
he was never tested positive for it. I don't think he was the manager. No, he was the manager. I looked. I double-checked. In 2001, Dusty was the manager of the, of the Giants because the next year they lost in the World Series. Remember, to the Angels. Oh, so yeah. So yeah. I don't want to hear about the morality police Oh, on this. oh yeah, yeah. Hey, Dusty, you, 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 didn't, you didn't know? I mean, that's the whole thing, too, about that Bobby Cox going in, Joe Torre going in, Tony La Russa going in, Bud Seeley going in. You know how many steroid guys Tony La Russa managed? Joe Torre, Bobby Cox. I wonder how much I, – I, if we actually knew the real number of, of, of how long those guys managed and how many of their players were on steroids. I, I bet that number would be so enormous, it'd be mind-blowing. It'd be mind-blowing. All right, let's get in that cut. Well, I was going to say, there's one other thing. Michael Wilbon from PTI. Here's what Michael Wilbon had to say on PTI earlier today on ESPN. I haven't paid Jack. It's been a minute and a half if we're talking about real history and not today's history, which lasts as long as the Instagram story. So I, I, I'm not buying that. They paid nothing. They get to get booed for 160. That's just the start. And by the way, Dusty's at fault for none of this. I realize it may annoy the hell out of him because he ain't guilty of any of it. But the four or five stars that are at the center of this, they get whatever is coming to them and they haven't paid squad douche to quote you. So we feel the same. Yeah, Michael Wilbon. Now, I... I agree with him about how it's not on Dusty, but still, I mean, to cry about it like this is, is a bit absurd. Yeah, I uh, – do we have we have Ned Coletti with us? Yes, you do. How are you, Ned? I'm doing fine. How you been? Uh, we're, we're, we're 0-5, Ned. We're not doing well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might be 0-7 in 36 hours, too. Yeah, I mean, Ned, Ned, when you get out to a start like this, I mean, as like a general manager – I can't imagine, like, what David Forrest and Billy Bean are thinking right now. I mean, if they lose tonight, this is this is the worst start since 1916, the Philadelphia Athletics. What do you think it's like for a front office? Well, it's not it's not easy, but you know, you do have this, and this is not this is not an excuse or nothing. You you know, you've got six more months. You know, this is not the end of it. This will show you some weaknesses and show you some some things you need to shore up. But it's 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 truly not the, at the end of a season or like you're in dire straits. If your team is relatively healthy and you believe in the players you've got, you know what? It's a it's a bad week, perhaps. But you know who knows? It's you know things can change in a minute in baseball. You know the thing that I was talking about last night after the game is, and something that we we have seen for years now with this Dodger team winning the division eight straight years and winning the World Series. Just the the swagger this team has, the confidence this team has. And you don't see that a whole lot in, in especially bad teams, but just talk about what you see on a day-in and day-out day basis, the confidence that this Dodger team has. Well, it's, a, it's, it's always a business approach. Don't get me wrong. They have a lot of fun, and they, they love being around each other. But they go to work every day. They go to work every day with one thing in mind, figuring out how to win that day's game. Um, they're, they're really workmanlike in, in how they do it. Look at last night, for example. Um, they have Montas has got 90 pitch limit, they, they say, as the, game, as the game starts out. They, get 20, they make them throw 25 pitches in the first inning. They don't have a rally. One, one hitter reaches base. They have four guys hit, one of them reaches base. 
and it's 25 pitches to get three outs. And by the time he got the fourth out, he was at 43 pitches. That's what they do. They grind it out. They make you work. They work at, what, at their craft, and they make the opposition work. And if the opposition can't meet them pitch to pitch, they'll, they'll get after it. They'll, they'll beat them. And, and they've beaten a lot of teams. You know, they've, to, to have projections and to really feel that a team can win over 100 games, before I came to L.A., I was with one giant team that won 100 games. One, and really good teams. And my Cub days, zero teams ever won 100 games. But to, to year after year say, well, you know, this team has got a shot at 105, 110. I mean, that's, that's, an, that's crazy, really, when you think about it. But it's how they go about it. And they're not an old team. Most of the time, when you have a team that's won eight straight, they're starting to get a little bit of age to them. They're not an old team in any way. Their, their best players are, are probably between 23 and 26, 27. Well, and, and I think about Corey Seager. You know, he had the Tommy John surgery, and there's always been talk about going to get, a, you know, a different shortstop, and, there, you know, Lindor or somebody. And then you look at what he did last year where he's the MVP of the NLCS. He's the MVP of the World Series. Now he's tied for the lead already in the National League in hits and RBIs. This kid has morphed into, we don't talk enough, as one of the best shortstop in all of baseball. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm maybe a, I'm a little bit, uh, uh, you know, taken by watching him play and having drafted him. I think he's one of the best players in baseball. If you and it's tough to take different segments of of a player's career out, but if you if you happen to do that and you just took out the year he was hurt, he didn't have one surgery. He had two surgeries. He had a congenital hip issue that they fixed, and then the Tommy John surgery. You know, at any stage of anybody's life, have two surgeries in one year, you know, that's not a fun thing. That takes a physical toll, emotional toll. If you took that out of the equation, this guy's one of the best players in baseball for a while. He was third, third in the MVP voting his rookie year when he was unanimous choice as the rookie of the year. And then you got, as you just said, LCS MVP, World Series MVP, comes into camp, rakes throughout the camp is off to this great start, goes to all fields, he's got power to all field, can take a walk, can drive the ball down the line for an extra base, can drive it in the gap for an extra base, understands the you know the shortstop play. Is he going to win a gold glove? Probably not. But does he know how to play the position? And does he have that clock that every good infielder's got to know what he's got to do and when he's got to do it? He's one of the best players in the game, I believe. And it, there's a lot of reasons why. Plus, and this is this sometimes gets lost in it. He knows how to win. He's a winning player. There's a lot of great players that have got great numbers. Have they ever won? Do they ever win? Do they ever get to the postseason? Do they ever get to the World Series? Do they ever win a World Series? He knows how to win too. Another big characteristic, I think, of a championship player at a championship game. You know, that is a great point. Because our game is, you know, such about the individual and such about the data and the numbers, you know, the old cliche, back of the baseball card. But, Ned, there just are some guys that they are more about winning games than they are their stats. The stats are just a part of it. But for them, it's about winning day in and day out. That's that's the same, and, that, and that's who he is. And, that, and he's not the only one. They're loaded with it. And they've probably done – 
something that, that I have not seen done until I mean, I watch this team play every day. The last four or five years, besides really grinding out almost every at bat, you'll rarely see them chase a pitch out of the strike zone. But what they also do is they are so welcoming to a young player. They give a young player every opportunity. They don't make them earn it. They make them work, and they get and they gotta they gotta pay attention to how things are done. But they but they don't force the young player into anything that's like, you know, if this guy's not talking to me, this guy won't you know won't give me a chance. This guy you know, it's it's all real. When Max Muncie, obviously you know Max from the yeah. Oakland days, okay, and he was in, in AAA for the Dodgers one year, never came up. The next year, he came up. And if you look at his first week or ten days, and I haven't done this for a while, so I may be a little bit off, but I think I got it right. He really struggled offensively. A lot of teams. You got a 26, 27 year old player. You picked up. Uh, really, he was at home, uh, you know, going going back to Baylor, going back to school, and he didn't get to the big leagues the whole the whole first year as a Dodger in the in the organization. They gave him time, and they were patient with him. And what they get? 35 home runs, 35 home runs, big year last year, a lot of power. They're patient. Look at the kid last last night, Zach McKinstry, 33rd round pick from Central Michigan University three RBIs last night inside the park homer the other day, superstar player, probably not. But if I was writing a scouting report on Zach, first two words I would write baseball player. And they welcome, they welcome everybody. And you got may last night, Gonsolin's on the, on the IL right now, but another really good young pitcher, uh, Julio, who we signed when I was still a GM uh, as a 16 year old. And now he's 24, 25. Uh, you missed his start the other day, uh, but, you know, another one. And he's a fourth starter. You know, if you saw last night's game, that's not a bad fifth starter you're running out there. Yeah. The fourth and the fifth guy would be at the top of most rotations. Yeah, your, your fifth guy's throwing 100 miles an hour with sink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with a great, with a better, you know, getting, and he has not even reached his peak yet. He's probably 60% to the, to the finished product. How many guys on this roster are left that you either drafted or signed? Oh, goodness, I don't know. Uh, Justin Turner I signed. Um, the drafts were Corey and Clayton was, was my first pick in, in 06. Uh, Kenley, I, I moved from being a catcher, and he argues with me all the time. He would have been an all-star catcher. <laughs> I said, not because of the bat, you know. And uh, I said, you'd have, you're going to get to the big leagues as a catcher. There'll be 45 teams in the big leagues. But it's turned into the all-time greatest L.A. closer. Um, Bellinger, Seeger, Kenley was, was here, but I moved from behind the plate to the mound. Uh, Kirsch, my first pick. Um, who else? Uh, Urias and, and Gonzalez, left-handed reliever. Uh, there's probably a few more. And a lot of guys where they acquire through trade where they use use players that uh you know i've been there during my tenure but uh you know they've done great and they've done great and when you look at who they trade when they get to july 31st they'll trade some players but th- but they're not trading anybody that is going to be a superstar some other place so you, they hang on to their guys you you had to be proud when they won the world series i mean obviously y- y- you've meant a, a huge part to this roster and how this roster's made up how proud were you when they won the world series Oh, very much so. You know, uh, I've been in the game a long time, been to the series with the Giants once, and then uh, three times here. 
uh, and and finally won. You know, my my kids told me it was the 14,179th day of my career. So I mean, it, meant, it means a lot, and to know the people, and to you know, to have get notes from from a lot. You know, most of the guys I just just mentioned, and, and others who were around last year. Uh, you know, JT sends me this beautiful note that you know um, you might be thanking us for winning the World Series, but we all thank you for bringing us all together and and putting the foundation in place. You know, that's great stuff. Again, I you know I'm, I've been blessed beyond measure in my life and my career, so. I just uh, I celebrate when other people celebrate, and I get joy out of other people's celebrations. You know, some, uh, Joe Davis, broadcaster for your Dodgers, made a great point that, you know, when you win the World Series, it's obviously tough to repeat. I mean, we haven't seen a team repeat in the National League since the Big Red Machine. But maybe, just maybe, the Padres adding everything that they did in the offseason, one of the teams to win the offseason, and all the hype around the Padres – could that be something that keeps this Dodger team focused and hungry and that new rivalry between the Dodgers and the Padres? I, I think so. I think the, the rivalry will always be the Giants. But I think, you know, you got San Diego. They've been in the league a long time. Obviously, when I was a GM and, and Kevin Towers, God bless him, was, was in San Diego, you know, a lot of competition there. I think that that helps a little bit. I think there's a, there's other things that, that probably play even a stronger role in, in the hunger aspect of it. One is just the composition of who the people are because they do want to win. They, they're not satisfied with this. Far from it. And, and when you look at last year and all the trials and tribulations that the world went through and sports went through and fans went through, you know, they didn't have a typical World Series celebration. They didn't have a parade. They didn't, you know, win any of the LCS or, or World Series games in Dodger Stadium. Uh, when they played here early in the postseason in LA, they, you know, there were no fans allowed. You know, so they they kind of missed out on 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 that feeling, that emotion. And I, you know, they've talked about it too. They say, you know what, we we need another one right right here right now because of a lot of reasons. First, it's it's what we play for, but secondly, you know, we didn't have a chance to do what other teams do. And, and I think they're hungry for that, too. And Dave Roberts has done a great job. He's been really good at, at so many different things and managing personalities. You know, the managerial role is, used to be from the first pitch to the last pitch. Now there's as much managing that goes on from the last pitch to the next first pitch uh, than anything, trying to keep everybody focused and to keep everybody hungry with what they're trying to do and uh, platooning players and you know you'll see very few players that don't get days off you know the the last two games in Colorado you had Bellinger and Mookie off you had Seager off you had JT off you had four guys off two and two Saturday and Sunday most you know and back in the day those guys would say what are you taking me out for but he's managed the personalities managed the expectation he's averaged if you if you took last year and prorated it out a regular 162 game season. This man has averaged 99 wins a season for five years. Wow! Think about that. Who <laughs> does that? <laughs> the Who's Yan- Nobody's done that. The, the, the old, old, old Yankee teams that beat everybody up every single year. Yeah, maybe in the 20s, yeah, you know, the 27 <laughs> Yankees and those guys. But not even, you know, maybe the maybe the Yankees with Joe managing them at the in the end of the last century. You know, in '98 to to 201 or 202, I guess. But uh, 
it's interesting. It's a, it's a, a very interesting group to watch all the time. Ned, you're the best. We always appreciate your time when you come here on A's Cast Live because we got not only A's fans, but we got a lot of baseball fans who, who remember your days, your great days with the Giants. So thank you so much for your time. Be safe, and let's talk soon. Thank you. It's always an honor to talk to you, and I love the Bay Area. And uh, Billy Bean, I've known Billy a long time. I wish him and David all the best. Take care, Ned. See ya. Ned Coletti, former general manager of the Dodgers. He was assistant GM for years under Brian Sabian with the San Francisco Giants. Coming up next, I know where the A's can get the Dodgers. I have found the weakness, and I'll give it to you next, right here on A's Cast Live. Drivers, start your engines. The Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, where every vehicle is inspired by Honda's racing spirit, is on now. For a limited time, well-qualified buyers can get 1.9% APR on the 2021 Honda Civic Sedan or redesigned Accord. See dealer for financing details. Become an A's insider today. Visit athletics.com slash newsletter and sign up to receive the latest team highlights, up-to-date news, features, and more, all delivered free to your inbox. That's athletics.com slash newsletter. The TV voice of the Red Sox, Dave O'Brien, was on A's Cast Live and explained why he enjoys listening to Ken and Vince call A's games. I mean, there's so much that, as a radio broadcaster, you need to bring that a a television announcer doesn't have to worry about. I don't have to worry about, is that a high hopper to deep short and he's got one foot on the grass and, you know, barely gets him to bang, bang, play at first. But you can see all that uh, on television. But on radio, you have to describe every detail down to the release of the pitch on every single pitch. And, I, you know, I think the A's guys are absolutely the best in the business. I love listening to Ken and Vince. Every time I, every time I go home, I've got them on the radio when I leave my game at Fenway Park. And I'm, I'm not embarrassing them because, you know, I, I tell them this when I see them. But at the end of the day, it's a different art form. And it's really hard to do. To listen to the full interview and much more, go to athletics.com slash A's cast. Driven, determined, resilient. Cal State East Bay students are today's creative thinkers and tomorrow's workforce for the region. Cal State East Bay is recognized as one of the most transformative college experiences nationwide, educating the new generation that questions the status quo and works together to find meaningful solutions. Apply today for our degree and certificate programs. We are not just a university. We are a community. Find yourself here at csueastbay.edu. If you're looking for a new mattress, Nest Bedding has you covered. Sleep on the same mattress Hall of Famer Ricky Henderson sleeps on. Nest Bedding is a national brand with family-owned prices and service. You can shop at one of their Bay Area locations, and all stores are sanitized and safe. Or you can navigate their easy-to-use website, nestbedding.com. That's nestbedding.com. Green and gold fans, use the coupon code Oakland, and you get 10% off your entire order. Nest Bedding, love where you sleep. Now back to Ace Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, we're here at the Coliseum getting you ready for a little A's baseball. The Dodgers are on the field taking BP. You want the one thing that the, the Dodgers don't do well? 
think I have an idea. They have the worst bullpen ERA at 7.46. And it's been their issue. They've just been able to overcome it. I mean, they have really struggled with this bullpen the last couple years. So it's like, get Kershaw out of the game tonight, get Bauer out of the game tomorrow, and you got a shot because their bullpen's not great. It has not been locked. It's not been locked down. Canley Jansen has not been the same guy that was, you know, one of the better closers in all of the game. But that's a horrific, I mean, 7-4-6 ERA? That is terrible. Uh, I think it's tops in the National League because, what, the Mets only played one game. So you well, can't that count doesn't them. count, yeah. Yeah. Actually, the worst bullpen ERA in baseball, though, belongs to the other team that played in the World Series last year, Kevin Cash's Tampa Bay Rays ERA. Okay, so I'm wrong. So it's not overall the worst. It's the worst in the, the National, National League. League, yeah. What, the, the, are in they, the natty. Were, were, are the MLB notes wrong? Or does it just say they have the high, they have a seven point? What was no, it just said it just, it just said the Dodgers pin has been shaky yeah. overall. Yeah, seven point six two. The the uh, Rays ERA eleven point four eight. This is coming into today. Detroit had an ERA over ten. So uh, AJ Hinch's Tigers, even they even though they keep winning with with our guy Akil Badu, uh, just hitting home runs and driving uh, and walk offs all over the place. Their bullpen still stinks. So uh, memo. Uh, for the third straight day, at the end of the third, you will be he- hearing Akil Badu highlights. This is becoming the Akil Badu radio network. I mean, how do you not? This kid, th- this 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 kid is unbelievable for Detroit. He's a Rule Five pick. Never played above a ball. He's got three hits. Remember, in his very first ever at bat, first pitch he saw. Home run. Next day, grand slam. Today, what happened today? 2-1. He got Just it. like that, the Hollywood script continues. Akil Badu wears a crown to give the Tigers the win. Credit the Tigers TV network. I think that's Kirk Gibson on the call maybe or Jack Morris. I don't know. It's two legendary players, and then I forget their play-by-play guy's name, but what a what a start for Akil Badu playing need, for the. You, you need to make that a little bit longer for my uh, third inning hit. Uh, well, that's the highlight that the, that they Detroit posted on their Twitter, so that's where I got it from. I can I can get a, high, a longer one for sure. I mean, has anybody had a better start? Uh, not recent. I mean, I'd have to really go back and dig to see. Well, think a, about it. Your your, your debut. You, you you joined a very elite group of guys who. Homer in their very first at bat, on their and, first pitch. Ho- and Homer on the very first pitch. The next day hit a grand slam, and then the next day hit a walk off base hit. That's the first three days of your career, and you had never played above a ball. Yeah, there was that list of guys that hit a home run after their on their first pitch they've ever saw. There was like four guys that have done it, including him since 2010. It was like Wilson Contreras from the Cubs, Starling Marte with the Pirates, and there was one other guy. That I couldn't figure out who it was, but he's having a great start for a young Detroit team. We saw Casey Mize on the mound today. Uh, How did he look? Uh, I mean, he pitched well from what I saw. And then they brought Michael Fulmer in. He looked. At, Michael Fulmer finally back pitching again after he's been hurt the last couple of years. 
the bigger story in this this Minnesota game, I know they they lost. Uh, Nelson Cruz had another home run. Jeez, <laughs> he's on slowing down. Well, it's going to be. Can he be the guy that hits the most home runs after forty? Well, he's off to a great start. <laughs> I mean, if you had to think about it, ah, Bonds hit a lot. I, mean, I was trying to think like home runs from the age thirty-five on. Because Bonds, how old, how old was Bonds when he hit seventy-three? Uh, that was two thousand one. So he was obviously in his thirties. Yeah, he might have been close. He might have been like thirty-eight. Pulling it up right now. Barry Lamar Bonds, that year he was what was like two thousand one. He was thirty six. So thir- so at age thirty five he hit forty nine, seventy three, forty six, forty five, forty five. Up oh, then he only hit five because he only played fourteen games, and then twenty six, and then at age forty two, twenty eight. So Nelson Cruz, since the age of th- so we'll start at age thirty five. He 44, 43, 39, 37, 41, 16 last year, but there was only 60 games. This guy may set the record for like most home runs for an old guy. Not not grand total, but hit at a certain age on. Yeah, I mean he's I mean if he pops 40 again. I mean how many guys were still how many guys are hitting 40 home runs in their 40s? Not many. I mean, not many guys are playing in their 40s anymore. They're all slowing down in their mid-30s. I mean, it's just—it's it, amazing the fountain of youth that this guy has. And if he just wants, I mean, why wouldn't you? If you're someone like Minnesota, we'll put it this way, too. Next year, everybody's going to have the DH. This guy's going to be able to have a job for years. Yeah, him, Edwin Encarnacion. There's going to be a few guys that are going to have a job. I mean, Encarnacion doesn't even have a job right now. But he might have a job when that comes around in in 2022. I'm sorry, I'm a little – maybe you know the answer to this. The Yankees has flashed a graphic. Garrett Cole is one of two pitchers drafted in the first round by the Yankees who did not sign. They're, and the question was, who's the other? Who did the Yankees draft in the first round that they didn't sign with them? Like, I'm, I'm, another pitcher? It's another pitcher, yeah. Who I mean, I have no idea. I'm going to have to look this up because I usually I know this. Can't say it's Brian Taylor. He just never reached no, the majors. No, he signed. <laughs> who who would get drafted in the first round by the Yankees and not take the big money and go play for the Yankees? I don't want to go to college. I'm like, what? Can you imagine the Yankees? You imagine, can you imagine the Yankees going to the scout and saying, we drafted this kid number one and he's not going to sign with us? Yeah, it, uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to see because it says it was one of two. So now I'm going to be on this all day trying to figure out who it was. By the way, happy birthday to a friend of the program today. Did I miss someone's birthday? Happy birthday, Bert Blylevin turned seventy today. Oh, it's a shame he's not doing Twins games anymore. He retired after la- or I think towards the end of last season. Well, last time we talked to him, <laughs> he was golfing. Uh, he, he was like COVID. They never shut down my golf. He lives on a golf course somewhere in Florida. They never shut down my golf course. I'm like, they never shut down your golf course. My course, all of our courses got shut down. Not in Florida. They've been playing golf the whole time. Burt Plyleven is 73. Played 22 years. 287 wins. Almost 5,000 innings. 4,970. 
and one of the greatest curveballs of all time. He struck out a ton of guys. I wonder what his what what, what that curveball by Burt Blythe. What was his spin rate? I bet his spin rate was off the charts. Yeah, I think I think uh, Statcast only goes back to 2015, so I don't think we'll be able to track what his number was. But did you find the answer to the question? I've stalled long enough. I th- I'm, well, it's it's a hard, it's a very specific thing to try to find, but I think the answer is Garrett Cole and Tyrell Godwin is the other guy. I'm assuming. Yeah, draft choices are failing to sign. Yeah, it looks like those are the two guys of the Yankees. Yeah, who? 97 with uh, Tyler Godwin. And Garrett Cole in 2008. So some guy that we never heard of was drafted in the first round by the Yankees. We need to check what happened in this guy's career. Cause, Look, looking him up right now. Because you turned down the Yankees in the first round? So let's see. He was drafted by the New York Yankees in 97 and then the Rangers by the Rangers in 2000 but did not sign with either team. He eventually signed with the Toronto Blue Jays after being drafted in the third round of the 2001 draft. He played in the Blue Jays minor league system for four years before the Washington Nationals selected him in the Rule 5 draft. He played just three games for the Nats during the 05 season, wearing number one. He continued to play in the minor leagues until 2007. Um, he never did anything, but he played at North Carolina. You, you turned down the Yankees in the first round to go to North Carolina? Are you kidding me to play in the ACC? That's a bit odd. But You're going to turn down a couple million dollars to go play at North Carolina? How much do you want to bet he didn't graduate and didn't get his degree? Uh, well, no, let's see. If he wanted to, he might have. He would have drafted in the first round by the Yankees, 24th, then drafted again in the first round by the, by the Rangers. So that would have been after three years. So, so maybe he did graduate. And then he was drafted in the third round in 2001 out of uh, North Carolina by the Blue Jays. Clearly, this guy doesn't care about money. Yeah, no. Uh, and you would have played on uh, – you were getting drafted by a team that was just about ready to go on a run of winning three straight uh, World Series titles and coming off of one a year – or a year – what, two years prior. Wow. What, were his minor, what were his minor league stats? Let's see if they have Who those. was his advisor? Well, it doesn't have his agent listed on here, I don't think. Yeah, no, no God, agent. what were his – like, imagine being his – imagine you're his parents. Hey, I I, I, I – because you got to remember, folks, when you get drafted – and the, you, you can have in there that they'll pay for your college. So you could have still gotten your college paid for and been a first-round pick of the New York Yankees. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, in his minor league career, a career 276 hitter, 33 homers, 251 RBI, and he sold 138 bases. But he was thrown out 54 times trying to steal. Well, coming up next is going to be a real treat. They're doing a memoir with Dave Parker, the Cobra. We'll talk to the big man, one of the great players of his era. And, yes, I would put him in the Hall of Fame. Dave Parker joins us next right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Eduardo Perez from ESPN. When I'm in the Bay Area, I make sure I listen to A's Cast Live. You know, uh, Cody just informed me that Will Leach from MLB.com has come out with a uh, riveting article about the five teams that should be worried. And he has the A's on there. Oh, really, Captain Obvious? <laughs> uh, o- o- five. You, you should be worried about being 0-5? Uh, I don't, if, I, if I remember correctly, I don't remember seeing uh, 
I think the Red Sox were on there. Well, I mean, they got to win the end. Did they win yesterday? Yeah, they beat, they beat Tampa yesterday. They beat the real Rays, not the Boston Rays. Um, I don't remember seeing the Pirates on there, though. I mean, they're off to a one and three start. I mean, you're telling me people aren't panicking in Pittsburgh yet? People aren't panicking in other places? Texas ain't worried yet? They had a full crowd yesterday, and they got, they got, they got it handed to them at home by Toronto and Marcus Simeon. Would you would you go to an event right now if it was full of people? Um, ask me after Saturday. The answer might be maybe your second vaccine yeah, shot. I would right now probably not. Although I mean, a lot of people there weren't wearing even wearing a mask because Texas obviously dropped their mask mandate. Also, so you had like forty nine thousand people or something there. That's a lot of people at a sporting event. I mean, pandemic or not, I mean, that's a lot of people at a baseball game. Especially to see the Rangers, who, uh, way forward, aren't very good. They're paying the Yankees $27 million to take Rugnet Odor's contract off their hands. But but how you – I mean, once, you, once you're once you fully vaccinated – That's what I said. I, I'd probably give you a different answer. But i got to wait till Saturday. Because that's going to be a decision that a lot of people are – you know, you're going to start – that we're going to start having. You know, we're going to start looking around and, you know, a lot of people like my wife got the second shot. Obviously, she's a teacher. I got my first shot. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Levi Stadium has done a great job. I know they're doing a great job here at the Coliseum. But, yeah, I got my first one and I my second one will be on the 26th. Yeah, Ace fans, if you're down in Hollister, come find me. I'll be there on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the CVS in Hollister. Oh, Levi Stadium was easy. Dude, I, I, I rolled up, you filled out the paperwork, go inside the stadium, they get you ready, you go up the stairs of the bar, there's just nurses, boop, get the shot, they make you, you know, hang out for like, whatever, is it 15 minutes or something like that? Yeah, 15. To see if you have a reaction, and then away you go. It's really hard for me doing it. They're like, oh, yeah, we want you to wait 15 minutes, and then if you're fine, you could drive home. Like, I have like a 45-minute drive home. Like, that's – maybe I should wait a little longer, but I was fine. Levi Stadium for me is like eight minutes. Yeah, I mean, that's – I can take VTA there from my apartment. Yeah, I mean, Especially now. It, it was it, it was super simple, and and my buddy Bob Sargent, who works for the Niners, I, I texted him. I said, "Hey man, you guys are doing a great job." It was amazing the amount of people that were coming in and out. I I, I was like so curious, like how many people are they vaccinating a day at Levi Stadium? It's yeah. a lot. I know they're doing a lot out here in our parking lot. Yeah, and remember the big thing about Levi's too forever was it's a nightmare leaving that parking lot, but uh, seems like they have it under control. They can figure this out, but they can't figure out the parking situation for 49er games. Well, you don't have 68,000 yeah, people true. there. I'm, That's I just, a whole different ball game. I'll just never forget how packed it was for WrestleMania and how it's been a nightmare. I'm like, I'm glad I took VTA down here for this. I got to be honest with you. I've never been to a stadium that had 60-something thousand people, and it was ever easy to get out. It was never easy to get out of here for Raider games. That's why I always took Bart. So it was always it's not easy to get out of here when we have a sold-out night. It's not easy to get out of it. Where was it? It was never easy to get out of Candlestick for a 49ers game. Where is it easy to get out of when you have that many thousands of cars? Yeah, I can't even make a joke about the Pirates because it was a nightmare when there was only 300 people at the games to get out of downtown Pittsburgh. So um, it, it's you're right. It, it is – it's just, I mean, it's so accessible here at the Coliseum, though, because of Bart. I mean, so remember, Bart, you're there. Uh, I would, I would just take Bart. I, I haven't rode, I haven't ridden public transit since the, the pandemic started. So the first time I jump on Bart or Caltrain, it's gonna, it's gonna be a whole new thing for me because I used to ride those, you know, both of those all the time. Hey, pandemic or not, 880 sucks. Yeah, 
Hey, they're, they're, they're literally driving up here at one thirty in the afternoon. I'm in bumper to bumper, and we're in a pandemic. Are you serious? All righty. He's a seven-time All-Star, a National League MVP, a two-time World Series champion, a three-time Gold Glove Award winner, Rawlings Gold Glove Award winner, sorry, Ray Fossey, three-time Silver Slug Award winner, two-time National League batting champion, led the NL and RBIs in 1985. How is this guy not in the Baseball Hall of Fame? A new memoir is out. It's called Cobra. Here is my conversation with the great Dave Parker. Well, our next guest here on A's Cast Live is an absolute baseball legend. What a career he had. Uh, former Oakland Athletics, starred with the Pirates, starred with the Reds, and has a new memoir out called Cobra. Dave Parker. Cobra, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? I- I'm doing wonderful. And I got to tell you, growing up as a kid, one of the coolest things uh, to see, like when you were on the on- in the on-deck circle, for the Oakland Athletics, and you were swinging that sledgehammer, you were like the most intimidating guy ever. Well, that's what it was all about, trying to be intimidating. Well, it definitely worked. And I can tell you also growing up in San Diego, when the Pirates came to town, you, your team in the 70s, you guys were like rock stars. What was that like, the We Are Family Pirates? Uh, it was great. We had some uh, characters on the team. Doc Ellis was uh, one of the guys that was known to uh, be uh, a little reckless. Uh, myself, Stargell, Bill Madlock. We had a host of uh, good players, and we didn't mind coming out, showing our wear. Well, no doubt about it. When you were writing this, what was it like going back and thinking about your life and, and, and as a kid and Frank Robinson helping you get into baseball and just bringing back all these great memories? Well, it, it's good to uh, look back over your, your career and remember some of the things you did with uh, various teams. Uh, Oakland A's had the best team I ever played for. They had everything. They had pitching, uh, relief pitching, speed in the front of the lineup, power in the middle. Uh, we were just uh, an awesome club. Well, and, and speaking of another rock star club, you know, you you talk about the great players. I mean, when you start talking about Hall of Famers and you got Ricky Henderson and you got Dennis Eckersley, you got Conseco, you got McGuire, you got Hindu. Uh, I mean, you, uh, Dave Stewart, just that experience of playing on that 1989 team and winning your second World Series, how great was that for you in your career? Oh, uh, it, it was, it was uh, super. You know, you had those guys you mentioned, you know, and you got – Ricky Henderson leading off, Corey Langston hitting second, Jose hitting third, me hitting fourth, McGuire hitting fifth, Henderson hitting sixth, Box seventh, Tony Phillips eighth, and Walt Weiss ninth. I mean, that's an all-star team. So, you know, we uh, enjoyed going out showing baseball and what, what we were all about. Well, I- I'll tell you this. You know, there there's some of my friends who are giant fans who said, "Well, you know, because of the earthquake, I earthquake or no earthquake, that that giant team had no chance against you guys." No, they didn't. We uh, we would have beat them hands down. They uh, 
you didn't have half of the, the offensive attack that we had. And they didn't have the pitching. They didn't have anything that, that they could throw out there to, to give us a battle. Uh, we were definitely a, a much better ball club than them. You, you know, I, so many people remember you as a big power hitter. And what a lot of people forget is what a great hitter you were. You won two National League batting titles. Talk about how the, you, you had the combination of power and the ability to hit for average. Yes, uh, I did. I, I had uh, both things working for me. I was a 5-2 player, so uh, I, I uh, was one of those guys that could get an infield hit, hit a lot of doubles, uh, drove in a lot of runs. I was a complete player. You know, I never knew that growing up in Cincinnati, you actually wanted to play football for Ohio State. You would have been like one of the biggest running backs we've ever seen in, in college football. Well, I I could have held my own. I, I would hit that O-hole right off the center's butt, bounce outside. And after that, it was a foot race because I, I could run, too. A lot, a lot of people didn't realize uh, the speed that I had. Yeah, you would have been playing for Woody Hayes. That would have been nice. I met Woody at uh, the Knights of Columbus uh, a banquet, and uh, I had a chance to, to meet him and say hello. You know, for, for, for a kid that grew up in Cincinnati, what it mean for you to play with the Cincinnati Reds? It was something I always wanted to do. As a kid, you know, everybody wanted to be a Red. You know, you had Frank Robinson, Vader Pinson, uh, John Edwards, catcher. Uh, we, uh, everybody grew up with that dream of one day being a Red. I'm glad I had the opportunity to live that dream. Yeah, and I remember, I mean, you had some great years with the Cincinnati Reds. And, you know, we, we talk about, you know, you mentioned you, you've left a, a part of your body basically from Shea Stadium to Chavez Ravine and playing in the National League and playing in the American League. How many, those years on turf, how tough were they, they on you? They were, they were tough. I, I could have probably uh, played a couple more years anyway. Uh, regardless if it was turf or not, I had about two more years in me. But uh, the turf was tough on you because uh, it was a slab of concrete with some chipped rubber uh, on top of the, the concrete. And uh, it was tough to, to slide, to catch fly balls. I used to burn, burn holes through my pants when I slide to catch the ball. So uh, AstroTurf was uh, no joke, and it cost you your body. Yeah, I, I, I feel for you guys who had to play on that and the football players who had to play on that. That was just that, – that, that was awful. What was it like for you to go into the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame? I think you went in with King Griffey uh, Sr. Yeah, that, that was a, a thrill. You know, to go in with uh, those two guys. And um, being in the Hall of Fame, look like ain't nobody going to give me my just do in Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, so that makes uh, the award that much better. 
Yeah, that's, you know, th- there is a group of you guys who played in your era, and I've had them on my show before, whether we're talking about a guy like Dale Murphy, uh, talk about a guy like Steve Garvey, talk about a guy like yourself. When you look at all the awards and all the All-Star games, the MVP, I, 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 I feel for you because I, I believe you should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You should have a plaque in that room. Hey, David said I should have a house up there. <laughs> yeah, he's a great player, too, Eric the Red. Um, you went on to coach and become a hitting coach. What was that like, taking your skills of everything you did in your career and then helping these young men get better at the major league level? Well, that was a thrill. I uh, kind of picked and choose the guys that I, I wanted to work with. Gary uh, Sheffield was like a son. Eric Davis was like a son, Barry Larkin, who gave me props on playing a role with him to get in the Hall of Fame. So uh, I enjoyed working with you, and uh, you didn't see it that much. From our, during our day, we used to take guys on the wing and deal with teaching them how to be a major leaguer and what it took to be a major leaguer. And uh, those were the guys that I paid most attention to. What was your relationship like with Roberto Clemente? Well, Roberto taught me how to reach back and get more velocity out of my throws. Uh, He taught me that in spring training of my first major league spring trainer. but uh, him just teaching me that one thing made my arm about 45 miles an hour faster. So uh, he was very instrumental in, in me being the outfielder that I was. Yeah, he was uh, truly a, a great one. And uh, he taught me a lot in the short time I knew him because I only had that one spring and I think he passed that that uh, winter. So I didn't have time to spend a lot of time with him, but uh, what time I did benefited me a lot. And then I know you also had a very strong relationship with the Hall of Famer, Willie Stargell. Talk about your guys' relationship and boy, did you guys win a lot of big games together. Yeah, Pop. Pop, Pops was uh, very instrumental to me, too. Uh, I just watch him walk around and the things that he do. He was teaching you as he was doing that, how to be a major leaguer. And uh, Willie uh, played a major role in my success. Well, I got to tell you, I can't wait to read Cobra a life of baseball and brotherhood. I can tell you, Dave, as a big fan of you growing up, I promise I will promote this big time and help you out. It's an honor to have you on the program. A's fans here in Oakland and the Bay Area, they still love you. They still talk about you. Be well and be safe, and let's do this again later on. All right, anytime you need me, don't hesitate to call. How many times have we brought him up on this show alone? Uh, the Cobra is a popular player on that. Now, then again, I told you after after the show yesterday when we were talking just off the air, and I said, how many times do you think – what do we put the over-under on? How many times you mentioned Hideo Nomo on the show yesterday? <laughs> the tornado. 
Yeah, but the Cobra, I mean, we talk about him a lot. He was a big part of the 88 and 89 team, and we really didn't talk about the 88 team the, at all uh, the last couple of days, nor should we, but, you know, the Dodgers are here. And Oral, by the way, Oral never responded, so now we're, uh, I think we're, what, one for four. So still hitting respectable 250 in his day and age. He's like a Bigfoot for you. Yeah, it's like him, uh, Greg Maddox. And if, well, I've never actually reached out for Greg Maddox, so um, I guess i got to shoot my shot eventually, Wayne Gretzky. Because uh, you're going to miss 100% of the shots you don't take. It's one, it's one thing I always learned from Wayne Gretzky, the greatest goal scorer of all time. We can't promote, though. The Mad Dog will be on with us tomorrow night. He didn't say what time. He said in the evening it works best. Chris Russo, the Mad Dog, the greatest sports radio personality in the history of radio. I can't wait to hear the Hall he, of Famer. Can't wait to hear what he has to say about the Astros and Dusty because you know he likes Dusty. Yeah. So uh, Bad news. I mean, who did you say in the offseason to me – Buying or selling could be the next face of baseball. Uh, that'd be uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. or Nando, as they call him down in uh, San Diego. Uh, on the DL, or you like to call it the IL, left shoulder inflammation. That's what Major League Baseball put out. But Bill Shake uh, of the LA Times just put out on Twitter that a partially dislocated shoulder, he's going to try and rehab it Surgery still could be what he is going to need. So here we go again with your I want to take the face of baseball Mike Trout off the face of baseball and replace him with somebody else. And Tatis Jr. cannot stay healthy. He hasn't played a full season yet, and here he is hurt again. But if I'm a Padres fan, I'm totally hitting this. I mean, you hear surgery. We'll see you next year. I mean, man, I mean – he does swing hard, and I watched what happened to him last night. And he's, I mean, he does have a weird swing, but so does Cody Bellinger. And Bellinger is, you know, he's been banged up a little bit with his shoulder. But, I mean, the way Fernando Tatis Jr. swings him. And he's, he had that injury in spring training, and then he's had five errors in five games. And he, had, he didn't have one yesterday. He couldn't because he got hurt. But he had five in four games when he, when, in that series against the, uh, against the, the Diamondbacks. So maybe that shoulder, and it's his left shoulder. It's not even his throwing arm. So it, it, that's it's not a good situation if you're a Padres fan and you're hoping because the Nelson Lamets on the IL again. So you're and then you don't have Mike Clevenger already. Blake Snell got pulled early again in a start where he was pitching well. I mean, what is it with the people? Why do people hate Blake Snell? Are you kidding me? Degrom has a two nothing lead and how many pitches and they take him out? Seventy seven. Now it over, that's a joke. I think I don't have it saved, but it was somewhere around this. Like over the last four years, he has an ERA of like. Two six five or something, and the Mets are thirty six and forty one in his starts, or something like that. That's awful. <laughs> that well, is they, so bad. It, you don't utilize the weapon that you have. You're so worried about the future that you're not worried about winning today. Anybody you bring out of that bullpen is not the same arm as Jacob Decrom, and so that's why I always go. Uh, you leave the game early. You're leaving it up to a bunch of relievers. That's on you. And Jacob DeGrom is at a point in his career, whether it's his first start or his 32nd start of the year, he should be able to tell management, I'm going, into, you only take me out if I'm getting ripped or if I'm like at 115 pitches. I, I'm going to finish this game. When Dallas Braden has more complete games than Jacob DeGrom, that's a problem. That, that speaks volumes about babying this guy it's like hey Cody it's great you think his numbers are so special but you know what he's not I'm not winning his starts 
Not and and, and and well, the Mets had a lead yesterday, and there's a reason why they have the uh, well. If you look at baseball, if you look at Fangraphs, why they have the uh, technically the third worst bullpen ERA. They've only had one game, but their bullpen blew it for them again yesterday. I mean, I you, at a point you you got to start feeling. I mean, I think people already feel bad for Degrom, but man, but I, mean, I don't feel bad for him because he's not going long enough in the game. Uh, some of the, I mean, I, but again, you can't put that on him. But you, I do agree with you that. He should have yes, I can't put it at him because he he's a two-time Cy Young Award winner, and he should be able to say, if you come out here and try and take the ball from me at 77 pitches, I'm going to flip out. Maybe there's a reason why he's able to throw so hard in his 30s now because he's being preserved so much for, I don't know, maybe the Mets think they're going to win the World Series this year. I mean, they could, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't see it. So I was watching Bo Bichette hit a ball out of the, uh, out of the ballpark in Texas as a uh, – a guy that the Nate Lowe's up, who the uh, not not Lau like Brandon Lau, Nate Lowe, how you would think you would say it, hitting for the Rangers. He has ten RBI in, in what four games already. Uh, maybe the Rays might regret that trade down the line, but uh, the Rangers. Oh boy, it's gonna be a long year if you're a Texas Rangers fan. Well, not really, because they're not wearing masks and they're all having a good time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's I true. mean, seriously, they're sitting at tables behind on plate. It's unreal. All righty, buying or selling. It's time for Buying or Selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. Well, we have time to do one, and it's the one I want to get to, and I'll save the rest for tomorrow. When we have a pretty much a full show, and we're going to be on after the A's game till 7 p.m. But uh, Reds closer Amir Garrett was talking about uh, Nicholas Castellanos. The Reds are well, they're t- tattooing and teeing off against my Pirates, but that's okay. Everyone's going to this year. It's expected. But here's what Amir Garrett had to say uh, after the game uh, about uh, his teammate Nicholas Castellanos. The energy he's bringing, oh my gosh, it's it's it's, it's a domino effect. It's, we're gonna everybody's gonna feed into it. I want everybody to think that Cincinnati Reds is like the most cockiest team ever. We're some bat flipping, showboating son of a guns, and I want everybody to know that. Well, that that sounds very familiar. So uh, it sounds a little like this. You're talking to the Rolex wearing diamond ring wearing kiss stealing woo wheeling dealing limousine riding jet flying son of a gun. So I'm not going to get to the whole thing. Buying it's or selling. It's time for oh, buying. Yeah, I hit the wrong <laughs> open. Buying or selling. Nicholas Casianos is Major League Baseball's Ric Flair. Jet flying, wheeling and dealing. Truly one of the greatest characters in the history of professional wrestling. 16-time world champion, Ric Flair. And he claims it's actually 21. You're talking to the Rolex. <laughs> wearing <laughs> diamond ring, wearing kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. Oh, oh I love it. the best. <laughs> you know what? What happened to let the kids play? Yeah, two game suspension, huh? That was a, that if you saw it, it was they hit him. He then picks up the ball and offers it back to the pitcher. And then he comes around and scores. I mean, I can't believe that. I mean, that was I mean, you talk about weak sauce. What happened to let the kids play? Yeah, well that that uh that mantra's gone and since hey, now he peeled the suspension and he's playing, and again they're roughing up on my beloved Pirates, but that's expected. Cassianos is a star for them. He looks great 
ever since he signed that deal with the uh, coming over from the Cubs. So. We want to thank Dave Parker, the Cobra, and Ned Coletti for stopping by A's Cast Live. Coming up next, Scott Emerson, and we'll see you in a few getting you ready for the Dodgers and the Athletics Game 2 of the three-game set. So stay tuned. You will be back in a moment with A's Total Access. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.